we even look things look at things that are sort of more consumer based, like walk score. You know, we look at what the walk score in a given area is and factor that into our risk model. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice. I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible, and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I'd check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. And you're looking at the title, so you see that this is part of a special series. This is the last part of our special series. This is part four of the four-part series on commercial real estate and crowdfunding. This four-part series has been sponsored by Patch of Land. And with us today, we have the co-founder and CTO, Chief Technology Officer of Patch of Land, Brian Fritton. How are you doing, Brian? Very good. Thank you. How are you? Doing well. Doing very well. And we were talking before the show and you know, coming up with the best angle and approach to take this conversation and essentially, you know, because we want to make sure that the best ever listeners are getting not just a little bit, but not a lot, but a tremendous amount of value from this conversation. I'm really excited about what we came up with, where you know, we're going to talk about the technology behind the engine that drives patch of land, all the data that you're, you're, you're having to aggregate, and then what the heck you do with that data and how you approach or, or present it to investors. And how relevant is this, best ever listeners, to our business where, where we've got all sorts of information that's accessible to us, but what the heck we do with it and how do we aggregate it? And then how do we select what information is the most important to present to our clients, our customers, whether it's someone buying a home, whether it's someone raising money for a large syndicated deal or a fund or anything in between. So really excited to talk to you, Brian. But before we get into it, can you briefly give the best ever listeners a little bit more background about your experience and how you got to this point? Yeah, you got it, Joe. So 
I oversee the development of Patch of Lands platform and technology. Uh, I started the business with uh, my brother and the CEO, Jason. And when we started this, we knew that it had to be uh, easy for investors and borrowers alike to use online. And uh, my experience serves that well. I come from the world of e-commerce uh, and I come from the world of creating efficiencies through intelligent technology that's easy for people to use. And so, you know, I, I apply process to the sales queue, to acquisition and other segments of the patch of land ecosystem. And I create autonomy in our operations uh, to make it easier, faster and, and, and better priced for our borrowers. Uh, I previously worked for a major search engine where I architected Customer-facing products, uh, I developed enterprise-grade APIs uh, for uh, non-developers out there. Those are programming interfaces that let businesses talk to each other. Uh, and I built a lot of custom billing, audit, and risk systems. Uh, I did this for uh, leading brands such as Maui Gym, uh, Warner Music Group, uh, Ghirardelli, Anna's Linens, and a number of financial uh, websites. Before that, I actually started a website design business and was self-taught in uh, programming languages. I actually had my mom sign the LLC papers uh, because I wasn't 18 quite yet. And uh, so I, I rose that to a, a couple hundred happy clients, and that's what brought me through college and uh, sort of attached myself to uh, e-commerce and, and web technologies from there. And because of sort of the happy connection that I've been able to make in finance and real estate, have really grown that into the, the specialized uh, technology experience I have today. And with the e-commerce and the web technology background, you have access to all sorts of information, and, and especially with, within Patch of Land and the type of deals and, you know, that are being offered. I mean, you've got a lot of different stuff. How, how do you determine, I mean... You and your your the the two other co-founders. I mean, my gosh, you started with a blank slate. There was no company, and now there's a company, and now it's you know it's a very successful company. So, how do you go about initially structuring the the infrastructure on the back end of of the you know patch of land? Yeah, you've got it. So, a really important piece of everything we do is that our underwriting, like many of our processes and, and systems begins with human experience uh, and expertise. So we pride ourselves on having people who really know what they're talking about. And as a technology executive, it's my job to translate that expertise and experience into uh, you know, solutions. And so really what I see myself doing is building uh, a better sort of mousetrap for our people to uh, feed in their data and, um, you know, snap down on the right decision. And so the, all the systems that we develop is born out of people very effectively communicating how their world works to my team. So we take that and develop technology to enhance available information and create efficiencies so that as we move into new markets or new products, we can modify and adjust risk parameters. So we know what those risk parameters are, and we uh, develop some sort of hard thresholds at first. Uh, and we do that before we offer uh, loans in a given market uh, and, and obviously adjust those on the fly. So that process gives us a baseline to compare to what our underwriting and, and market teams know. So we can say, oh, this system got this, 
uh, this loan price right, uh, understands this market, understands this type of product, and then we can tweak from there. Having this obviously makes it less expensive uh, for borrowers because we can price faster and more accurately and have confidence in that. It uh, instills confidence in our investors, and we can do everything in a pretty quick order. Going forward, it's a bit of applying um, very intelligent pieces of technology um, to what we continue to learn about our markets, our loans, our borrowers, and our investors. So our underwriting is overseen by very experienced underwriters and a full credit committee, uh, etc. And then we, on the other side, have built technology that consumes uh, truly blue chip data sources and aggregates that data and then does some pretty amazing things with it. So it performs uh, predictive and historical trend analysis on it. And uh, I can speak more about that later if you like. Uh, but that information is then passed into our risk models. And these models are trained in such a way that they take geography into account and they compare uh, sort of segmented trends and other analysis, uh, both hard set and uh, produced by our system uh, in a predictive manner, uh, compares those analysis to our thresholds and prices accordingly. So what comes out on the other end for our internal staff, and we're really excited to talk to you about some of the things we're going to be producing for investors. Right now, to our internal staff, uh, they're provided a, a multi-factored uh, report and, and score on the borrower, on the market, the property, and even how well it matches up to our investor preferences. So what that does is it lets our staff investigate each factor from the perspective of each of our data sources uh, and gain confidence uh, from uh, all of our data sources reporting towards some of the things that we're looking at. And we can compare those pieces to our current portfolio performance. One of the other things we do is we use this data and we uh, turn, the, uh, turn some of the attributes that come out of this into scenarios. So we look at what if we increase the down payment by 20%? Uh, what if the deal was collateralized by another property? What if the market you know, trended upward in sales listings? Uh, you know, and so we were able to analyze these scenarios and again, show them to our internal folks and very soon enough, our investors and borrowers. And uh, we can model any possible events in a new market uh, for each loan individually. What are some of the blue chip data sources that you use in, in, in your predictive and historical trend analysis? So we use a number of them. Some of them I can't quite talk about, and, uh, but I'll give you a, a couple little teaser ones. We use Onboard Informatics, who is a great partner uh, and really big in the real estate space. Uh, they've been an excellent partner in helping us develop not only um, sort of uh, one-off report data that we can use to help train our systems and inform our decisions about how to price our risk. What is it called? Onboard Informatics. Yeah. Onboard Informatics. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Okay. They uh, sort of <laughs> they come from the they come from the same world as CoreLogic. Okay. Interesting. I was googling onboarding for Max. <laughs> I got a totally different search. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, onboard informatics. So they give us uh, sales data, market data, point of interest data. You know, we even look at you know, how many point point of interest uh, markers are within a half a mile radius of a subject property, and what categories are those points of interest in, and how much does that matter to us, and how much does it matter to the market? And our models are self learning in that. 
you know, the performance of loans that we've done in the past in, in similar markets or even in that specific market um, can be, you know, uh, can inform how uh, weighted we see those points of interest affecting the score in the future. Uh, and that applies to all the attributes that we look at, not just points of interest. So they help us with a lot of that raw data and they help us analyze that as well. So they're really good partners. We also use LexisNexis, obviously, and a company called Guyact, who I believe supplies some of their data to LexisNexis for borrower background and uh, a sense of who we're dealing with. Uh, and it makes the job uh, easier for the borrower, too, because we don't have to ask for so many things about them. What was the one after LexisNexis that you said? Sure. It's a company called Guyact, G-I-A-C-T. Got it. And that's for borrower background, just like credit score, debt, liens, that type of stuff? Yeah, judgments, liens, uh, any of that sort of stuff. We obviously also uh, pull credit. It's a factor in our uh, determination, not the not the biggest one, uh, but uh, we pull credit and um, do all of our standard due diligence on making sure who we're dealing with is a quality person. And, uh, and then we even look things, look at things that are sort of more consumer based, like walk score. You know, we look at what the walk score in a given area is and factor that into our risk model. Wow. That's, that's a lot of stuff that I didn't anticipate you saying that was aggregated. This is much more robust than what I was envisioning. Cause as the end user, you know, you see very beautifully laid out, um, dashboards, of information and it, you, there's there's a lot going on in the background how do you determine what's too much information to show to investors versus you know not enough yeah that's a great question and something that we talk about all the time internally a lot of people don't know this but as you said there's a lot behind the scenes and when it comes to that beautiful you know five tab layout listing that you get on the patch of land website all of that uh, narrative is actually computer written. And obviously, some of the unique points of each deal are, are edited and, and that listing is enhanced before it goes up on the website to make sure that it's, uh, uh, it displays the, the, the points of the deal that are different from any other. Uh, but all of that is begotten from our data sources. And so we have this immense amount of, you know, you'd call it raw data. It's obviously been enhanced and reviewed internally before it even gets to this level. But uh, what to show is, is, is sometimes an interesting question for us. So we usually take the mantra of, um, you know, you want to view it like you're viewing a one sheet for a project prepared by a professional real estate investor who's asking for your money. And so we're going to show you the narrative description of it first and all the details about the, the property and the market. And then the next, you know, thing you're obviously going to want to see is that the financials. So we're going to show you a prepared sort of financial statement, but not something that only certain people can read. We're going to show you something that makes sense to the people investing on our on our website, no matter the experience level. Uh, and then we're going to show you the risks. And obviously, you know, we go above and beyond that. And how much we show to one person versus another is also something that we're uh, sort of getting more used to in investor preferences. Soon enough, you'll be able to say to us, I want to see X, Y, and Z above and beyond. And we'll start showing that to you a bit more in, in, raw, uh, in raw form. When it comes to the risk and pricing and scoring information, that we use internally, 
at the beginning of next month, and we'll send out an email about this, but we'll be surfacing the many dozens of factors that go into each category of how we underwrite a deal to our investors and to our borrowers. So the factors that will be displayed uh, on any specific deal uh, will be displayed in, in sort of the categories of positive, negative, or neutral for each opportunity. And what you'll be able to see is, you know, hey, we really liked the price per square foot ratio compared to the national average. Uh, but we didn't like the build date because we haven't historically seen properties that are built before 1950 in this specific area of New Jersey perform super well. And when you uh, view those, you can click on the, the each specific factor and you can read about why we liked it, didn't like it, or, or didn't care so much about it. Yeah. So they're going to they're really going to be able to get a deep level of knowledge about each market, even though they perhaps don't know that market so well. Uh, and that's one thing we're trying to do with our technology and our data as well is real estate is a hyper local sort of fragmented beast sometimes. And so with doing things like this, we're trying to present it from the perspective of someone who's not been in that market before uh, and make them comfortable with that market, make them comfortable with that that listing and show them the risks. Yeah, it's very interactive. Very interactive. Yeah, and then on another level, we're going to be pre uh, presenting some tools for for both sides of the marketplace, borrowers and investors, uh, where they can start to see where we're predicting uh, certain markets to go from our data, uh, what the trends have been, um, and we're going to show that in sort of something like you, you see on our stats page, where it's it's beautiful, but and at the top level. Uh, simple, but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to get you those numbers. I want to switch gears slightly and uh, just get your advice on web development for you know the best ever listeners who are out there and who either have a website or are needing to have a website. It's tough to come up with a you know a, a, a polished website if you, it's just not your specialty. You, know, you probably need to hire someone or determine why do you have a website? What's the purpose behind it? Is it just the online business card or do you need to be more than that? But just generally, what, what advice would you give someone who comes up to you and says, I'm looking to build my own website for real estate. I know you're the CTO of you know, a successful startup. How should I approach it? What are your thoughts? Sure. So, uh, as I said, I come from the world of e-commerce, and so I've built a lot of you know, top-tier brand websites as part of large and small teams. And what I took from that experience into this, a lot of people came at designing websites like this from the finance and investment perspective. And while it's all well and good, people who don't come from that world are investors and Sometimes our, our borrowers aren't used to looking at, you know, Excel spreadsheets all day long either. They want to see something a bit more laid out. What we did is we took that same uh, wealth of knowledge, comprehensive uh, information and laid it out like a product. So if you'll notice on our website, it's laid out very much like you're, you're buying something on, you know, Amazon, a bit prettier. But you, you go to the investments page, it looks like a category of products, right? And you get a little bit of information. And you give them just enough to sort of tease in. And is that something I'm, I'm interested in? Is that APR uh, good for me? Is it in a, a region that uh, I want to participate in? Uh, so if they click through, 
you want you know different sort of categories or, or topics of information about that product. And so our description, financials, risks, third-party information, those are organized in a way very much like you might see specifications, description, pictures, uh, reviews, etc. Uh, on, on a product. And so my advice is, is treat what you're developing to assign what you're developing uh, to something that your audience is going to be familiar with. Uh, so this is a rather uh, novel way of, of showing real estate investment opportunities. And something that is familiar to people is buying a product online. And so the flow is, is um, treated to that sort of uh, front end. And you want to make sure that people innately, they might not sort of realize it, but innately already know how to do most of the things on your website. Ah, okay. So they're not going to come to the website and be like, that's a really interesting brand new feature that I've never seen before. They're going to go to it ideally and say, okay, this looks eerily similar to other websites I've been on when I've, when I've purchased things. Yeah, and you never want to get in the game of just copying a mechanism. Uh, but when you're looking at how the sort of purchase flow works, you know, that's been done in stone and researched and tested uh, time and time again. So I would say uh, don't mess with what works. Do your research and, and you know, assign a few different business models that are similar to you know, what you think works well for uh, visitors coming to your website and, and take a look at their websites and, and model some of what you're doing after that. And if you've got a truly novel sort of user flow or, or section on your website, test it out. There is no problem with putting up a rough draft Obviously, in our industry, security and, uh, you know, um, accuracy come paramount. And so we've got a lot to do. But um, some of the features that help investors or help borrowers uh, apply or view their investments or what have you, you know, we'll put up a little rough draft and um, we'll make sure to ask internally, does this look right? And if professionals working on it, but we're going to get customer feedback. So don't be scared of doing that. It's a it's a sort of a death knell to iterate and polish until it's too late, right? And yep. So don't be afraid to get something up that's lightweight and, and iterate and, and ask questions of your investors or your customers. Brian, this has been just a great conversation around the technology that's powering uh, a company, the data that's involved in the process, the specific sources, some of them, I know some are probably proprietary, uh, but the ones that you could mention, um, the specific sources that you use, like LexisNexis, uh, onboarding, Infomatics, <laughs> not onboarding for Max, um, which is a completely different search result. Borrower background that you use it uh, with a GIAT, G-I-A-E-T. GIAT, yeah. Yeah, or that. <laughs> I was going for the more fancy pronunciation. Uh, and then also your where you see it headed in the future as far as a usability standpoint, very interactive. Learn more about the market up in, in by clicking through different things, or you know getting deeper into the deal. And then lastly, the advice that you had for real estate entrepreneurs who are going to be building their site or want to enhance your site, as you said, the advice is assign what you're developing to something your audience would be familiar with. So. Don't recreate the wheel. Don't copy and paste stuff that you see, but don't recreate the wheel. The flow, as you said, is for buying a product online is tried and true. So look at the flow of other things. And this is very, you know, it, it reminds me of 
you know, the advice of, you know, find somebody who's doing successfully what you want to do and then model their behavior and what they've done to get there. And then you'll get similar results. And so I understand and I really, it resonates with me what you said about that. So thank you for being on the show. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you wanted to mention to the best ever listeners? No, I think that was great. One thing that I will put out there that we haven't quite announced yet, but we have now completed a relationship with Wells Fargo Bank uh, to the, where we are now a direct ACH originator. And so what that means is that uh, money going in and out of the platform. So for investors uh, investing and, and withdrawing funds and borrowers getting draws or their uh, capital for their project, we've taken that timing uh, down from you know three to five business days to one to two. And so this is great because investors on our platform, since we pre-fund our deals, start earning interest the, the moment their money clears into our account. And so we wanted to make that much faster for folks so that they start earning interest quicker. And obviously yeah. when you want to get your money out, you want that quickly. And so now it's one to two days instead of three to five. Took a really long time. That's one of those things in tech where you're always like, you know, uh, that's great, but you never know how much is behind the scenes. But we're really proud of that. And then uh, for borrowers, obviously, that's going to get your draws out to you a good bit faster as well. And we get to automate a good bit of that, which means even uh, higher quality, faster, faster service. Yeah, the machine moves that much quicker and everybody gets the money faster than, than before. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brian, for being on the show and talking through this and hope you have a wonderful week. I know you are a little under the weather, so thanks for powering through it and definitely looking forward to staying in touch. No problem. I hope your uh, listeners deal with my monotone voice okay. <laughs> you have a, you have an, a, what am I trying to say? You have an out since you've been sick. So I'm sure you sound <laughs> like uh, Samuel L. Jackson whenever you're well, right? So you, it's, it's just went because you're sick. There we go. Yep. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Joe. Crowdfunding, you've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P A T C H O F L A N D dot com forward slash best ever.